Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, September 9th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, the CDC's booster recommendations may not provide optimal protection from time. And what happens to your body when you eat oatmeal from eating well? Plus, I eat at restaurants for a living. That's not why my stomach always hurts from the New York Times and more time permitting. Here's our first report. The CDC's booster recommendations may not provide optimal protection. The new Omicron boosters are here, but we should rethink the interval period to maximize their effectiveness. By Michael Dano and Monica Gandhi from Time Magazine. And Dr. Gandhi, MD, MPH, is Professor of Medicine and Associate Division Chief of the Division of HIV Infectious Diseases and Global Medicine, Director of the Ward 86 HIV Clinic at San Francisco General Hospital, and director of the Center for AIDS Research at UCSF. The FDA and CDC both approved the updated bivalent COVID-19 vaccines last week. The promise of the mRNA vaccine technology platform was always that we could update them quickly. We may finally have achieved an advantage over SARS-CoV-2 as the updated vaccine recipe matches the current dominant circulating BA5 strain and slow-going BA4.6 strain without another more transmissible variant of concern yet on the horizon. However, we are concerned that the CDC may again be missing the boat with its recommendations on timing for when most American adults should receive this booster. Following its Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ACIP, meeting at the beginning of September, the CDC stated that adults who completed their primary vaccine series are eligible for the updated booster if it's been at least two months since their previous vaccine. They advised those who recently had an infection to wait three months before getting boosted. However, such a short interval is not optimal if we are aiming for robust fall or winter long protection and could also be counterproductive. The CDC should recommend a six-month interval between a previous booster or infection and the new updated vaccine for healthy adults for two primary reasons. Updated immunologic studies and recognition that millions of Americans had post-vaccinated infection with Omicron variants this year and thereby have strong current protection against reinfection with BA5. Immunologic Studies We previously called on the CDC to extend the recommended interval between primary doses of both mRNA vaccines to eight weeks, primarily on the basis of immunologic studies demonstrating a higher antibody response, amplified T-cells, and enriched memory B cells with a longer time period between doses. Recent research studies during the Omicron variant era continue to demonstrate the benefit of an extended interval between doses in terms of increasing both neutralizing antibodies and memory B cells. A booster provides antibody protection for at least six months, 
according to a recent study. Another study demonstrated that antibody levels stabilized six to nine months post-vaccination for study participants both with and without previous infection. Memory B cells were even more robust after vaccination, demonstrating maintained reactivity against all variants, including Omicron, for at least nine to ten months after the primary two-dose series, with an additional positive response to a third-dose booster. An additional study showed that memory B cells continue to mature for approximately six months after either vaccination or infection. B cell immunity, as well as T cell immunity to COVID vaccines, provided protection against severe illness and did not lead to high levels of hospitalization as BA5 became dominant this summer. One of the aims of the Omicron-specific vaccines is to increase antibodies and prevent even mild infections. The antibody level plateau at the six-month mark would thus signal an ideal time to boost with a BA4 or 5-focused vaccine, since a low pre-boost antibody level actually correlated with a greater fold increase post-boosting. To put it another way, High levels of circulating antibodies from short interval boosting may limit the added protection of another booster. Another recent study by the NIH showed the same concern after a recent infection, but even more drastically. Giving a booster two months after a recent infection actually abrogates effective B-cell responses. Millions infected by Omicron. A recent study in JAMA showed that 56% of people who were infected with the Omicron variant were unaware of the infection, and the actual number of daily infections this past summer vastly exceeds the official tabulation given the scale of unreported home rapid antigen testing. In addition, millions of Americans have received their third and fourth vaccine doses in the last few months. The benefit of this degree of population immunity can be extrapolated from a recent study out of Portugal, which shows, contrary to previous concerns for BA5 reinfection, that a previous BA1 or 2 infection provides upwards of 75.3% protection against reinfection with BA5. This was consistent with a Cotter study showing 79.7% protection against reinfection. All of this data means that there is a high amount of active population-level immunity to COVID-19 in the U.S. that is protective against severe disease. Our booster strategy should recognize this existing immunity and seek to build upon it in a manner that prolongs the protection of this shot throughout the winter. Short interval repeat boosting, or boosting too soon after a post-vaccination infection, will limit the neutralizing antibody response and stunt the expansion of memory B cells. After considerable expert input, the CDC formally updated its guidelines in February 2022 to recommend an extended dosing interval for the primary vaccine series, but significantly lagged behind their counterparts in Canada, Europe, and India to adopt this eight-week interval. Moreover, the extension of the vaccine interval was not advertised very widely. The CDC now has an opportunity to take these immunologic principles for the updated Omicron booster and make them work better. The Canadian National Advisory Committee on Immunization, already ahead of the curve, 
formally recommended this past week that the updated bivalent vaccine be offered at an interval of six months after previous vaccination or infection. In a recent survey by the CDC, 72% of those polled will definitely or probably get an updated booster. The interest in an updated booster is significant because only half of eligible Americans got the first recommended booster dose, and only 34% of those aged 50 and older got a second booster. That is why it is absolutely critical that we get the recommendations on timing right for this updated Omicron booster, the first update in the mRNA vaccines since their rollout in January of 2021. Up next, what happens to your body when you eat oatmeal every day? Are oats just as healthy as experts claim? By Kirsten Hickman from Eating Well. It's a good thing medical experts recommend oatmeal as a healthy breakfast. There's so much you can do with a container of oats. You can enjoy them warm, soak them overnight, bake them into bars or muffins, or even blend them into a waffle batter. Yet, besides such delicious versatility, why exactly do health experts recommend oatmeal as a go-to morning meal? How does a simple bowl of oats affect your long-term health? Here's what the science says about consuming oatmeal on a regular basis. You may feel fuller for longer. Oats are a great source of fiber, a carbohydrate that the body cannot digest. Because fiber slows down digestion, you won't feel as hungry for a longer period of time, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Eating fiber-rich foods helps avoid spikes and dips in your blood sugar levels while reducing feelings of hunger. Having oats for breakfast or incorporated into different foods as meals and snacks is a great way to give the meal more staying power and help you feel fuller for longer, says Maggie McCalzick, RDN. According to the USDA's Food Data Central, one cup of cooked oatmeal contains four grams of fiber, which is 16% of the recommended daily value. You'll have an easier time in the bathroom. Oats contain a special type of soluble fiber called beta-glucan, says McCalzick. Beta-glucan forms a gel-like consistency in the gut and helps to keep things moving in your digestive tract and keep you regular, she says. This helps with bulking up your stool, making it easier for your bowel movement later. Plus, pairing your oatmeal with sources of insoluble fiber, like unpeeled sliced apples, nuts, or blackberries, can also help keep things moving in your digestive tract and make things easier in the bathroom later. Your risk of heart disease will decrease. Starting your morning with a bowl of oats can benefit your heart health in more ways than one. Because of the fiber content, oatmeal can help lower your bad LDL cholesterol, stabilize blood sugar levels, and even lower high blood pressure, all of which play a significant role in minimizing risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Your gut bacteria will thrive. Oatmeal is also a prebiotic food, which feeds the good bacteria in your gut. Maintaining healthy gut bacteria, also known as your gut microbiome, will benefit your body's immune system, improve your mood and digestion, and help to ward off diseases. 
A 2021 systematic review published in the Journal of Nutrition found a link between oat consumption and increasing beneficial bacterial groups within one's gut, making it a gut-friendly and heart-healthy breakfast. Incorporating a wide variety of plant foods like oats is also beneficial for gut diversity, which is another important aspect of gut health, says McKelzik. You'll manage your weight easier. Along with these positive benefits, research shows this popular breakfast can even support weight loss and weight management efforts. According to a 2021 review published in Foods, oat beta-glucan has positive effects on hyperglycemia, lowering blood lipid levels and reducing weight. The fiber content of oatmeal is filling and satiating, which in turn can help with eating fewer calories throughout the day and managing your weight, says McCalzik. Beta-glucan may also promote the release of peptide YY, a hormone produced in the gut that helps with satiety, she says. The bottom line. Oatmeal's high fiber content and prebiotic qualities may benefit your body in more ways than one. Making oatmeal a regular part of your menu can potentially lower your disease risk, help your gut health thrive, make bowel movements easier, and keep you feeling fuller for longer. Up next, I eat at restaurants for a living. That's not why my stomach always hurt. Half the world's population has H. pylori, a type of bacteria that can mess with digestion. So why doesn't the problem have a higher public profile? by Priya Krishna, from the New York Times. And this is written in the first person. I've never known what it means to have normal digestion. That's especially hard when your profession centers on eating. As a food reporter, I usually dine out a few times a week. Since I've taken to the road in recent months to scout restaurants around the country for the Times' fall list of favorites, back-to-back dinners have been the norm. My stomach issues constipation, acid reflux, diarrhea, you name it, have been lifelong. But this job has aggravated them. I know, I know, eating out for a living, your life must be so hard. And I'll admit that sometimes I feel fine after a restaurant meal. Great, even. But more often, I'll be pinned to the couch for hours with a stomach ache. As a teenager, I told my primary care doctor about my digestive woes, and she told me I had acid reflux. I started storing antacid tablets in each of my purses, but all they provided was temporary relief. I was tested for food allergies, but nothing turned up. A few months ago, as I began my restaurant scouting trips, I was in pain almost every night. My partner urged me to see a gastroenterologist. As it turns out, a type of bacteria that under a microscope looks almost like a spiral pasta was wreaking havoc on my stomach lining. It's called Helicobacter pylori, H. pylori for short, and it lives in half of the world's people. H. pylori has evolved in human microbiomes for at least 100,000 years. It came into a bigger spotlight in 2005 when the Australian physicians Dr. Barry J. Marshall and Dr. J. Robin Warren won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for discovering the link between the bacteria and peptic ulcers. Many people carry H. pylori in their stomachs without any negative consequences, but for some, it can move into the mucus layer of the stomach and cause a host of problems, from stomach inflammation to ulcers to stomach cancer, 
said Dr. Nina Salama, a microbiologist at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle. Many people who have H. pylori probably contracted it during early childhood through contact, like sharing food or breathing aerosols released from vomiting, Dr. Salama said. It can also be transmitted through food that was not cleaned or cooked in a safe way or drinking water that is contaminated with the bacteria. H. pylori is more prevalent in certain parts of the world, like Africa and South Asia. As hygiene standards have improved in the United States, H. pylori has become less common here. Dr. Salama said some studies suggest that symptoms can be managed with dietary changes, like eating lots of fruit and vegetables or lowering salt intake. There's also a treatment, a high dose of antibiotics and acid blockers taken for several days. Before testing positive for H. pylori, I had never heard of the bacteria. H. pylori isn't getting the same public attention as irritable bowel syndrome, the gut issue current making the rounds on TikTok among users who identify it as hot girls with IBS. It isn't discussed in the media as much as celiac disease, a chronic disorder that makes people sensitive to gluten. But once I started talking about my own challenges, I found others in food-related jobs who had tested positive for H. pylori. Louisa Weiss, an American cookbook author who lives in Berlin, discovered she had H. pylori in 2019. After years of bloating and irregular bowel movements, the positive test felt like a liberation, she said. People don't talk about these sorts of health challenges enough, she added, because they find it embarrassing and so they don't realize people are in danger, she continued. Ms. Weiss took the antibiotics but was also diagnosed with celiac disease. Even though her stomach problems have improved, she is cautious about what she eats. She asks others to help her taste test food when she is developing recipes and avoids spicy dishes at restaurants. Aileen Corrieri stopped writing her food blog, Hungry Aileen, a few years ago after she learned she had H. pylori. Like Ms. Weiss, even after treatment, she was afraid to return to her former diet. I just spend a lot of time on TikTok and YouTube watching cooking videos, she said, just to live through the visuals. She said her doctors didn't take her stomach troubles seriously. They just told me, don't eat acidic food, you are fine. I felt really alone in this, she said. Despite all the research on H. pylori, there are still some aspects of it that aren't fully understood, said Dr. Salama, like the precise way in which H. pylori leads to cancer. Dr. Marshall, the Nobel winner, said in an interview that the bacteria's origins were also unclear. How did the human race become so universally infected, he said. Some studies suggest that H. pylori can be beneficial for the esophagus or guard against asthma. But Dr. Marshall believes that people who have stomach problems and test positive for H. pylori should opt for antibiotics. I finished my course of antibiotics about a month ago. It was a painful 10 days in which I vomited while exercising, spent a full day nauseated on my back, and constantly had a bitter metallic taste in my mouth. In a few days, I'll see my doctor again and find out if the bacteria are gone. I've eaten a few restaurant meals since, but it's hard to tell whether my situation has changed. I have realized, though, how much I had normalized being uncomfortable. I doubt my stomach aches will disappear entirely, but if they do return with a vengeance, 
Maybe next time I won't wait 30 years to see a doctor. Up next, should you use collagen? Important news about this anti-aging supplement from Consumer Reports on Health. Collagen is the most abundant protein in our bodies. It's used to make all our connective tissues, including skin, bones, blood vessels, cartilage, ligaments, muscles, and tendons. That has led scientists to look into whether consuming collagen supplements can help keep skin and joints youthful as we age. The answer is maybe. Collagen is like the frame of your mattress, providing necessary structure and support to tissues in the skin and other areas of the body, says Joshua Zeichner, MD, Associate Professor of Dermatology at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. When you're young, the body continually produces new collagen and degrades the old, meaning there's always a plentiful supply to feed those connective tissues. But as with many things, production of it slows down as we age. Lifestyle factors can also affect your supply. Sun exposure, smoking, excessive alcohol or sugar intake, lack of sleep, and being sedentary can accelerate the loss of collagen, says Jamie I. Baum, Ph.D., director of the Center for Human Nutrition at the University of Arkansas. Before you know it, you're losing collagen faster than you can replace it. Without the structure that collagen fibers provide, skin starts to sag and wrinkle. Without enough fresh, spongy collagen in your cartilage, tendons, ligaments, and joints can be less flexible. What the science says. The research is far from definitive, but some data suggests that collagen supplementation does have a beneficial effect on collagen turnover rates in older adults, says Keith Barr, Ph.D., professor of molecular exercise physiology at the University of California, Davis. A 2017 review of several small studies of people with osteoarthritis concluded that daily collagen supplements between 10 mg and 40 mg decreased reported joint pain by 26 to 33 percent. And a 2018 study published in the journal Nutrients looked at the effect of collagen on bone density in postmenopausal women. Those who took a 5-gram collagen supplement had significant increases in the spine and neck versus those who got a placebo. The study was partly funded by a supplement manufacturer. I do think that future research will show more positive effects, Barr says, but the quality of the current data isn't super high and we need evidence from large, long-term trials. And supplements have a downside. They aren't regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, so there's no guarantee that you're getting exactly what the package claims. There have also been concerns about heavy metal contamination. In 2020, the Organic Consumers Association and the Clean Label Project tested 28 brands of collagen supplements and found that many contained arsenic, lead, mercury, and cadmium. For now, you can enhance collagen production by following a healthy diet. Collagen is found naturally in animal proteins such as meat and fish. Bone broth and tough cuts of meat like brisket or pot roast contain lots of connective tissue, which is made up of collagen, Baum says. But you don't need to eat collagen to make collagen. When you eat any type of protein, animal or plant-based, your body breaks it down into individual amino acids, Baum says. These are reassembled to make proteins your body needs, including collagen. 
The type of protein doesn't matter as much as making sure you're getting adequate amounts of essential amino acids in your diet, she says. For older adults, that's about 25 to 30 grams of protein per meal. We know that vitamin C, zinc, and copper help with collagen production, and other dietary factors may also play a role. Researchers in Barr's lab are looking at micronutrients like phytoestrogens in soy and polyphenols in dark chocolate that may increase the body's ability to make more collagen, even as we age. I have a feeling we're going to find that groups who traditionally eat those foods will show lower rates of musculoskeletal problems, he says. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.